all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Kids and Teens, where we discuss issues involving your children as they're growing up. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Headaches are one of the most common complaints that we hear in the clinic, both in our pediatric and our adult patients. Everybody out there has probably had a headache at some point in your life. So today, we're going to be talking about headaches, common reasons you get them, how you can treat them, when you should be concerned. As always, we would love to hear from you and we'll be taking your calls. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 You can always send us an email as well to kids at mpbonline.org. So last week, we ended up spending a lot of time talking about the COVID vaccine. So I just wanted to give a quick update before we dove into the headaches. Um, I had told y'all that I was getting my second dose of the vaccine this week, and I did. I got it on Monday, um, and I had I did have some side effects from the vaccine, which has been very well documented in the second dose of the vaccine that more people have symptoms with the second dose than the first dose. Um, with my first dose of the COVID vaccine that I got about three weeks ago, um, really no side effects besides just some soreness in the arm where I had gotten the vaccine. With the second dose, I did have a few more systemic type symptoms, um, had some muscle aches, just kind of all over, and um, some chills. Very mild, though, all very manageable with some Advil and Tylenol, which is what I took throughout the day um, when the symptoms were present. I I wouldn't even describe my aches as bad as like flu aches, Um, so very mild symptoms. I will say, though, I've had lots of friends and colleagues that have gotten their second dose of the shot within the past week or two, and have had a little bit more um, systemic symptoms than I experienced, Uh, fevers, chills, muscle aches. Those have been the most common. Um, I do know some people that have had some nausea and vomiting, uh, but the fever, chills, and muscle aches tends to be the most common side effects. Like I said, we knew this was going to be more common. It's very well documented in the trials that the second dose people have had more symptoms with it, more side effects, excuse me. Um, Seems to be happening more in younger people. So uh, younger patients are tending to have more reactions, uh, more side effects from the vaccines. So a lot of our older patients who are getting the vaccine right now, when you get your second dose, hopefully your side effects won't be as bad uh, because we're seeing them more in younger patients. The other thing I want to make sure to say, since we're talking about the side effects to the vaccine, um, don't let this deter you from getting the vaccine because the best um, 
you know, the, the thing about the side effects when you have the side effects is it's a showing that your body is responding to the vaccine. So what we're trying to do with the vaccine is we're trying to get your body to make cells, to make antibodies so that when you are encountered with the virus, your body will automatically fight off the virus and you hopefully will not get sick. So when we give you the vaccine, we're stimulating your immune system to create these cells, to create these antibodies. When your immune system is in full effect, you're going to have a little mild fever. You're going to have a little body aches. That's part of the hormones and the cytokines that are released in your body as a part of the immune response. So just like when you experience a cold in general, the first day you have the cold, you may get a little fever, you may get a little aches because that's when your immune system is revving up to fight off that virus. It's the exact same principle when you get a vaccine. So just want you to know that if you do have side effects, it's a good sign. That means your body is responding to the vaccine. Your immune system is working. Secondly, all of the people I know that have had side effects from the vaccine have been gone within 24 to 36 hours. And it was for me. I can say I got my, my shot Monday afternoon. Tuesday, I kind of had the aches and the chills all throughout the day that were controlled with um, Advil and Tylenol. That night, I went to bed still feeling a little achy. I woke up the next morning and it was like a light switch had happened. They were completely gone. So it goes away. Definitely better to only have 24 hours of mild side effects than to have potentially seven to 14 days of, of symptoms with the illness and to risk any potential complications from COVID. So just wanted to throw that out there because I, I know we had talked about the vaccine a lot last week and I had mentioned that I was going to be getting my second dose. And so I wanted to make sure I gave y'all an update on that. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, the side effects were very mild and much better than getting COVID. So um, we have a caller, Billy Joe. Hey, Billy Joe, what's going on? Hi, I have a question about uh, the tests, the COVID tests. I'm 73 years old. I do not get out much because I do not have a car at the present time. And I was wondering if there was a test I could buy that would give me immediate results instead of sending in, you know, a sample somewhere. So I know there are tests being made. I'm not sure how widely distributed they are yet. Um, I know most of them are going to be rapid tests that are going to be the ones that are going to be distributed to Walgreens and Kroger and CVS and those type of places. They're not the most accurate. They're um, the thing about those is they don't pick up, as well if you don't have a strong infection. So like if you're early into your infection process and your viral load isn't that high, those rapid tests aren't as accurate, uh, but they are a very good screening tool. So if you are planning to go, you have to go to somewhere and you wanna just get a quick test, they're perfect for that. Uh, but if you're having symptoms, I would still suggest if you can to go somewhere to be tested. Uh, but most of those are going to be rapid tests. They're pretty easy. The nice thing about the rapid test is you don't have to go as far back. If you've had a COVID test, the PCR, I mean, people joke that it's the brain biopsy because they do have to go back so far. The rapid test, you don't have to go back. You just a little mid-nose swab. Um, so they're going to be pretty easy to be distributed at home. Um, I haven't I haven't seen that they're actually available. Have you have you found some pharmacies nearby that have them? I haven't even checked. I have not even asked. Yeah, Never had as, a test. as far 
Yeah, as far as I know, they're not around just yet um, to buy over the counter. Now, I know that some of the pharmacies are doing testing, uh, but I don't know that they actually have them commercially available yet. And that somebody else may know something that I don't know. I just haven't heard yet. Uh, but the ones that are going to be available are going to be the rapid test. So like I said, okay. great quick screening tool if you have somewhere you need to go, uh, but not going to be the most accurate to truly determine if you have COVID. Okay. One other quick, quick question. If, if I've, I've never been tested, but if say I had COVID or, or the beginning of it, whatever, I have called the one eight seven seven number and made an appointment to get vaccinated. Uh, mm -hmm. but that's not that's not until next week. Is is that going to interfere with one another? I mean, if I have it, your COVID started, can I still go get the shot? So what they're recommending now is if you have any fever or any current signs and symptoms of COVID, they recommend holding off on the vaccine. Uh, okay. For now, that's the recommendations. So, okay. um, but you know, if it's just if you're just who it's hard to say for sure because I've had a I've actually had it happen to two people I know that have gotten diagnosed with COVID about two to three days after getting the vaccine. More likely, they had been exposed to it before and just were pre-symptomatic and gotten their vaccine, um, and so they didn't even know. Uh, so in that type of situation, there's really no way to prevent that. But if you're having any symptoms, they recommend yeah. holding off on getting the vaccine. Okay. Well, thank All right. you well, thank much. you so much for your call. I appreciate it. Um, we'll go next to John, who is in Jackson. Good morning, Good morning, John. Morning. Well, if you're from Yazoo City and have a dad named Dan, we're probably cousins. First cousin, second I, cousins at that. That Dan is actually my dad. That's right. Well, then uh, I'm John Sullivan from Hattiesburg. But anyway, long story short, the uh, I got the vaccine down in Pike County, and I think you mentioned on the radio whether you could go, you had to go back to the original site or whether you could go to another site. And when I put in for my second shot, it uh, I do chaplain work over at Baptist. But the, the bottom line is when I put in for my second shot, it allowed me to go to Rankin County. So in concern after hearing your call, I, I called Department of Health and they said, no, they if it comes up, because you have to put in there, this is my second shot, it will give you a place where you can get that second shot. And it is the same. So I don't want to say that's exact i'd like to just throw it back to you and see if you've heard anything and uh also on the back side of that with that moderna the only the only side effect i have was a heck of a bruised shoulder for a day or so but you know that was just a sight you know like a flu shot type pain it wasn't anything major but uh i certainly slept a lot better that night knowing i had it so if anybody's skeptical as a chaplain, I can tell you, you don't want COVID. So just assure, just assure you that get the dead gum vaccine and, and sleep better. But anyway, that's all yeah. I got. Say hello to Pop for me, and uh, I will sit back and listen. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, John, so much. I'll definitely tell him, hey. And uh, I will say, so initially I was told that you have to get it at the second place. But when I scheduled my dad for his second shot, I actually did that earlier this week for him. And the same thing happened. Multiple places popped up that were available where he could get his second shot. 
So um, I think the biggest thing with that was was determining if you got the Pfizer vaccine versus the Moderna vaccine and making sure that you kept the same one. So if you started with Pfizer, you have to get Pfizer. When you, If you start with Moderna, you have to get Moderna. And so I think for just continuity purpose, that was kind of initially what they said. Um, but as far as I know now, they're, I get, I'm assuming they're able to, uh, because my, my dad received an email to go in and schedule his second dose of his shot. So we were able to follow that link. So I'm assuming that means that they're, they know which shot you got and which sites are given the same type of vaccine. Although I'm pretty sure most everybody's getting the Moderna through the health department. Um, and so you can actually go to different locations. I did not realize that because initially I was told you have to use the same site. But I found that was wrong when I actually scheduled my dad. So thank you for calling and sharing that. Um, I appreciate that. And um, when my dad got his shot uh, last week, I guess it was, he was the same way with you. He didn't have any side effects as well. So um, hopefully everybody out there was able to get scheduled if they could. Good news is, well, I'll start with the bad news first. Bad news is unfortunately all the shots that mississippi has now has been allocated um, and so if you have an appointment already scheduled you're guaranteed to get your shot if you are a healthcare worker and you've received your first dose you can still get your second dose so that's great news um, uh, bad news though is they are all allocated so we're not going to be able to schedule new appointments until at their the health department said probably February uh, because that's when they're expecting their next shipment of vaccines to come in. So if you were not able to get scheduled, um, please be patient. Know that um, more are coming. As soon as they can make more available, they are going to do that, I promise you, because we are trying our best to get everybody vaccinated. Uh, the health department released that they have 52,000 people signed up to get vaccines uh, throughout January, which is wonderful. I'm very proud of Mississippi and their response to the vaccine and, and taking action to protect each other. Um, so hopefully more will become available soon. So be in contact uh, with your doctor, watching the news, staying in tune so that you'll know when those new shipments have come in and you can get online and schedule those. Um, I know a lot of people too had asked about what to do if you don't have the internet. And we had given out that number from the health department. They actually opened up a second line. Um, I'm going to have to look that up for you all. But when we get back after our break, I will make sure to give out those two numbers, too, just in case if you need to call once we hear more about vaccines. So we'll take our first break. But if you have any questions, comments, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens at MPB Think Radio. We're talking today about headaches, and they are very common in our pediatrics and in our adult patients. And so I was going to talk a little bit about how to treat them, when you should be concerned, and see your doctor. Uh, If you have any questions or comments, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send us an email as well to kids at mpbonline.org. So before the break, I was given an update about the vaccines and how Unfortunately, right now, we're not able to schedule if you're not already scheduled uh, for a vaccine. Hopefully, that's going to be changing and opening up soon. But if you have any questions, I know we had some questions last week about what to do if you do not have Internet access. And I just wanted you to know that the, the, the Mississippi Department of Health has opened up another phone line. So I wanted to make sure everybody had those two phone lines. So the first number is the 877-978-6453. That is the hotline number that we gave last week. But they have since opened up a new line because that one had so many phone calls. Um, And that one is 601-965-4071. So the first one is 877-978-6453. The other number is 601-965-4071. And those are the COVID hotlines for the Mississippi Department of Health. It's open seven days a week from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. So if you are not able to get on the Internet or if you have any questions, uh, if you already have a vaccine scheduled and you have a specific question about it, give that number a call. Um, I know a lot of people that were calling yesterday and since they opened up that second line had a, had much better success with actually being able to reach somebody. So if you have any questions, give that call a number. Uh, give that number a call, excuse me. <laughs> All right, so uh, now I was going to talk a little bit about headaches, but you know, if you have any questions about COVID or the vaccine, feel free to give a call about that as well. Um, so headaches, like I said, are super common. We get this question all the time in clinic, um, especially in our pediatric population, I feel like, because, you know, as adults, we're pretty used to getting headaches. We get them pretty frequently. Uh, I saw somewhere that um, at least 15% of people, uh, or excuse me, 15% of adults have had severe headaches, so migraines within the last three months. But the number that have had at least a headache is about 90%. So people are having headaches all the time. And so we kind of wanted to talk about what to do, especially if you have kids or grandkids out there. Um, A headache can be concerning when they complain about it because you don't really know what they mean when they say a headache. Uh, It's kind of easier as they get older and teenagers because they're able to tell you a little bit more about it. They're able to tell you their other symptoms. But as kids, it's hard to know what they're really meaning when they say a headache. And is this something you should be worried about? Should you take them to the doctor? Does this mean there's something else going on? And so I wanted to hit on that. And what are some common causes that we see in our kids? And then also talk about some adults as well. Um, we've got a caller, Miss Betty in Pilahatchee. Good morning. What's going on today? Good morning. Um, 
I wanted to know my husband, uh, uh, if you have this answer. My husband and I went to uh, Ellisville and had our shots the first one Tuesday. And um, we got our card, appointment card for the second one. But on the way home, I looked and it does not have a time. It just has a date. Do we need, do we usually have a time to go? Yes, ma'am. So what they're, what they're saying on that card is the minimum date for you to get your next shot. So in order to get your next shot, it has to be like 28 to 30 days out from your first one. And so what that card is saying is that's the minimum date to get your second shot. So if you had it Tuesday, that was, they probably said what, like February 10th, February 12th, something like that, um, for the next, for the next shot. And so you're still going to have to go online and schedule your second dose, just like you did your first one. Cause that's just a suggested date when to get your second dose. Okay. Well, we spent an hour and a half yesterday trying to online, trying to get it, some information, but did not. So anyway, we will try again. I just thought you might have a number that I could call and reserve uh, an appointment. So check online again. You know, yesterday the system was still pretty overwhelmed um, after the announcement on Tuesday with opening up the vaccines for more people. Um, but you can let me give you. Do you have something to write down this number? I do. You can call 601-965-4000. Or you could call 877-978-6453. And those are the numbers um, to reach the health department to discuss scheduling um, if and when you can schedule it. Okay. Okay. Thank you so very much here. And have a blessed day. Yes, ma'am. You too. Uh, we'll go next to Barbara, who is in Boonville. Hello. What's going on this morning? Yeah, what's uh, going on this morning? I was going to ask. Uh, I take methotrexate. I've got rheumatoid arthritis, and uh, and I got AFib. Uh, I wanted your input on the vaccine for for me uh, taking these, you know, medicine for this uh, rheumatoid. And I I've got AFib. You know, I've got a pacemaker, and I uh, I don't think the blood thinner would affect it. But I'm just wondering. What your input would be on this? Yeah, so that's a great question, Barbara. And I, I'm going to kind of punt that question to your rheumatologist. The reason being is because I've seen some kind of mixed reviews about that and what to recommend patients who have autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis. I've talked to a few different rheumatoid arthritis doctors, uh, rheumatologists, and each one kind of has their own opinion about it. And a lot of times what uh, one of them told me, a lot of times it depends on their specific disease process and how aggressive their disease is, what specific medications they're taking. And so some have been hesitant to give it in certain patients. Um, so I would recommend talking to your rheumatologist. I do know I have a friend that I trained with who is a rheumatologist who has RA herself and she posted that she got the vaccine herself. So she trusted it um, with her own 
rheumatoid arthritis as a rheumatologist. However, I have talked to a few rheumatologists who have been hesitant to give the vaccine to certain patients, um, depending on their disease and what medication they're taking. Okay, well, I'm taking methotrexate, and I did talk to uh, my doctor. Uh, he's not a rheumatologist, but uh, anyway, he, he recommended me to take uh, uh, two Tylenol and uh, and, and uh, Allegra or Claritin one just about an hour before I get the vaccine. So being on the methotrexate, it definitely makes you more at risk for catching COVID and complications. Um, and so normally I would agree and recommend to get the vaccine, um, especially if you have a mild disease. But if you have a more aggressive disease, it may be more you want to talk to the specialist and just ensure that it's safe. I personally took Tylenol as well a couple of hours before I took it, and I did just fine. Um, and so I, I agree with those recommendations for sure. Yeah. Well, I don't go to a rheumatologist. Uh, my primary caretaker takes care of me. And uh, so uh, he uh, put me on this trexate part, and, I, and, and I'm doing okay. I'm not crippled or anything. I mean, I have some pain every once in a while, but, you know, when I do certain jobs. But I, I take uh, the medicine, and uh, and he takes blood work every so often. I reckon I'm doing okay. And he... He uh, thinks it's okay that I get the vaccine. He he just uh, recommended me do, you know, take the Tylenol and the Allegra uh, yeah. before I get the vaccine. But I just... Well, if, somebody... if, you're a, if your RA is a, being able to be managed by your primary care doctor, then that means it's probably pretty mild and should be safe for you to get the vaccine. Yeah. Well, uh... I, I reckon it, you know, it's pretty mild, and he takes blood work every so often, and uh, and everything's working right, you know, with that and everything. Good. Well, that is good to hear. Well, hopefully you can get that scheduled, and um, you'll do well and prevent you from getting COVID. Yeah. Uh, that's what we want to, you know, get the vaccine for. But I heard that if you had ACEB, you couldn't get that vaccine. Have you heard anything about that? I have not heard that. No, ma'am. I don't, just, I don't have a, it yeah, I don't know be, why that would be. Yeah. Well, I called my heart doctor too, and they said, uh, you know, the, his nurse said they recommended all their patients to get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. For sure. But, We're, you know, any heart condition is definitely a strong recommendation to get the vaccine. Um, I have not heard anything about AFib, and I, I can't think of a reason as to why you shouldn't be able to get it if you have AFib. Oh, Okay. Well, I appreciate your information. Yes, ma'am, and stay yeah. safe. Okay, and you too, and I enjoy your show. Thank you so much. If you have any questions or comments, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And we will go to Jenny in Bay Springs. Hello. I'm hey, Jenny, what's going on? Um, I've got a few COVID questions. Um, I enjoy your show, too. Um, I just got the vaccine yesterday, and I have seizures, nighttime seizures, and um, they called somebody, and I was in a clinic. They called somebody, and they gave me the okay to get the vaccine just for those who have seizures to let them know that, you know. All right, my question awesome. is, Go ahead. 
Oh, I was just saying, yes, awesome. I'm glad you were able to get it. And yes, seizures shouldn't be a contraindication to the vaccine. Okay. That's what they said. I was scared. Um, I just, um, do I have any, do you have any immunity right away? No, so there are, it's questionable how soon do you develop immunity after the vaccine. Most vaccines are going to be somewhere between 10 to 14 days before you develop the immunity for it. So it hasn't been great data as to when this will be because we know it requires a second dose. Um, but I would say probably around 10, I'm, I'm assuming for myself, 10 to 14 days after I got my vaccine for the immunity to fully be in effect because it takes time for your immune system to kick in, take effect and make those antibodies. So I would assume probably 10 to 14 days, just like most vaccines. Now, if you're a, a senior citizen, 70 and above, it, it takes, does it take longer? Um, I wouldn't think so. The only thing that I could think about that truly would make that much of a difference would be um, certain medications. So like our previous caller was a methotrexate, which is a medication that suppresses your immune system. Uh, so if you're on a certain medicine like that, um, or you're getting chemotherapy or anything like that that could affect your immune system, um, that may prolong the development of immunity. But your age, I don't think would play as much of a role. If it is a delay, it's probably very minor. Okay. I hunted for the vaccine for a week. It took me a week, but I finally found, and you have to you have to do your research to find it. Uh, I called Walmart in Laurel, and they said they would get it eventually. I don't know when, but that's just to let people know that that might be an option, too. And CVS and Walgreens will have it eventually, and you might check with them. Um, my other thing was I heard a, a lady when I was getting my shot of saying, hallelujah, I won't have to wear a mask after my second dose, but that's not true, is it? Not true at all. Thank you so much for bringing that up. No, um, because we know no vaccine is 100% effective. Now, while these studies are showing great, you know, 94 to 96% effectiveness at preventing developing COVID, there is still a chance that you could contract COVID. Um, and the thing to remember with these tests that they do, this is in like the perfect environment. This is not a real world setting. Um, so it may not be 94, 96% effective. It may be actually a little less. Um, so you can still contract the virus. You could still pass it on if you were to catch it. Your likelihood of catching it and passing it on is very lower, uh, much lower after you've gotten the vaccine, but it's still a possibility. And so you still need to make sure you're wearing your mask, still try to avoid large gatherings, wash your hands. Yes, you're exactly correct. Okay, final question. Um, if if, if um, you do get the um, virus and you've had the vaccine and you, it's 14 days or whatever after the second shot, It'll be, I, I thought it would be possibly milder. It is. That is, that is the hope, is that if you get the vaccine, um, so 
a lot of times what happens is the viruses change a little bit. And so you can't always be 100% effective at preventing a virus. But the good news is, is your body still makes those antibodies and those T cells so that when your body encounters the virus, even if you do contract it, you've got some protection there. And so the likelihood of your symptoms being severe or developing complications is much lower. So you're exactly right. Thank you. I do have one more question. I'm sorry. How long does this last, vaccine? Nobody knows just yet. Um, so that's a good question. You know, the studies, unfortunately, have only been about three to four months long because of uh, the time constraints and the um, how fast we needed to get the vaccine out to protect. So we know at least three to four months. Uh, long term, I'm not sure. I know a lot of times, uh, I mean, Sometimes, like with the H1N1 pandemic that we had, we had to revaccinate the next year, and now it's just in our flu shot. Um, so I've had a lot of people ask me, if I get it this year, am I going to have to get it again next year? We don't know that for sure yet. Uh, you know, there is a, I will try to plug this real fast, when you get your vaccine, um, I know at UMC, and I'm sure they're probably doing it at the health department too, you can actually sign up to get uh, followed up by the CDC. And it's just a quick, easy link. They text you the link, you sign up. And so they'll, like my first week after I got the vaccine, they would send me text message and check in and see how I'm feeling. Um, and then they sent me one a week out just to kind of check in and see how I'm doing after my shot. And so this is very important if you can to sign up for that because this is how the CDC is going to track um, how people are responding to the vaccine, how long the immunity is going to last. So if you have a chance to sign up for that, please do that so that we can keep these studies ongoing about the vaccine so we can know exactly how long these antibodies are going to be in our system. So to answer your question, we don't know exactly, um, but we're hoping for a long time. Uh, but it may be something like the flu shot for at least the first few years that we got to get it every season. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to go next to Jill. Hang on. We'll come back to you right after the break. Okay. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you have Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Carl write a song called Blue Suede Shoes. That was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens at MPB Think Radio. We've had lots of calls about the COVID vaccine, so if you have any questions about the vaccine or COVID, you can give us a call. We're going to talk a little bit about headaches as well, but any of your medical questions, give us a call this morning at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. And so we'll jump back to the phones to Jill, who is in Biloxi. Hey, Jill. Hello. Hi. 
Thanks for hanging on for us. What's going on no today? Problem. Well, I'm very excited. Yesterday I was able to get my appointment for my COVID vaccine. I'm, awesome. I'm under, I'm under 67, but I have a underlying health condition. And um, I was wondering when I, because I was pretty excited when I was going through, I might have skipped some of the wording. And I was wondering if I need to bring anything from, like, my doctor that shows my diagnosis or paperwork to prove who I am. What do I need to bring with me to go to my appointment? As of now, I don't think anything. Now, that may be changing, um, especially as they have opened it up to more people. Um, But right now, as far as I know, it's just kind of honor system. Uh, So if you have a condition, they have not been requiring letters. We actually talked about this just yesterday in clinic um, because we were wondering if we're going to have to start composing just a generic letter so that we can update it for each patient. As far as I know now, that's not required. Um, I I mean, I would make sure you take your medical, I mean, your driver's license with you or ID registration with you, and then maybe even consider taking your medications with you. But now, as far as I know, it's just basically an honor system. It's a a good idea to take the medication just in case, and then that would show what you're diagnosed with. So, all right. Exactly. Yes, but as far as I know now, there is nothing. But like I said, you know, things change day to day, so that could be changing next week. Sure. I'll, I'll keep listening. Thank you for your show. I enjoy it. Yes, thank you so much for your call, Jill. We appreciate it. We'll go next to James, who is in Meridian. Good morning, James. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Doing good. How about yourself? Good. I was going to ask a question, then I'll get off the line. Uh, my question is, uh, how effective is it uh, in using zinc uh, to help combat the coronavirus? That's one question. And the other question was about uh, using Listerine to wash your mouth out. And I uh, enjoy the show and have a blessed day. I'm going to get off the line. Yeah, thank you for that call, James. I don't have specific numbers for a zinc, so I can't give you like a, a definite percentage. Uh, but we do know zinc can be helpful just in general with your immune system. That's why so many of those over the counter medications um, to help prevent colds, coughs, and colds, you know, during flu season um, contain zinc. So there's definitely evidence that zinc can be helpful to boost your immune system to help prevent just in general cold and flu viruses. Um, so it's definitely probably somewhat helpful at preventing COVID. I just don't have specific numbers in there for you. Um, but I could definitely try to look those up and see if I could find that. And there's lots of, uh, you know, out there that are saying, you know, vitamin D, zinc, um, Of course, a lot of people want to take vitamin C to help prevent colds and flu. Um, There's also some, you know, antihistamines, whether that be uh, H1 blockers, H2 blockers. So you've got your typical ones like Benadryl, Zyrtec, and then also maybe even Pepsid. There's there's lots of data out there um, showing that there is some potential. I don't know that any of that has actually been proven, though. Uh, But for the most part, you know, what I tell patients is, Taking a little extra zinc, taking a little extra vitamin D, vitamin C, honestly, probably it's not going to hurt you in the long run. Um, same thing with the antihistamines as well. So if there could be some benefit, 
it's probably okay to take those. You know, if you have a bunch of other medications that you're taking, um, I would definitely just run it by your doctor to make sure that it's okay to take them because every now and then there are some supplements that can interfere with your medications and the way that they're metabolized. Um, but for the most part, zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D, the antihistamines are pretty harmless medications. And if they do have any benefit in helping you prevent the catch the virus, it's worthwhile to take it. Um, but if you take a lot of medications, I would just double check with your doctor. So yeah, so zinc, I think could, could probably be somewhat helpful in preventing uh, you from just catching COVID just because in general, it can help boost your immune system. But I, I don't have those specific numbers, unfortunately. Uh, we will go next to Bill, who is in Fulton. Good morning, hey, Bill. Good morning. I just got over COVID. Um, that I was kind of feeling sick the 24th, 25th, and got diagnosed on the 30th. Just got out of quarantine, I guess, uh, Monday. Um, so they told me that I cannot take the vaccine for three months. And then I've heard that the immunity lasts from the antibodies for five months. So, and that if I took the shot, it may, would make me sick. It might make me sick. So I guess, what's the truth? When can I take the vaccine? Because I don't want to catch it again. And how long does the vaccine last? Because I'm assuming it has a, your body tries to go back to normal. So anyways, I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, thank you so much for that call. First and foremost, I'm so glad you're better um, and that you have recovered from COVID. Um, and hopefully uh, you didn't have any complications and you're feeling better. So first and foremost. Secondly, they are, so the recommendations from the health department, uh, we don't know exactly how long your immunity is going to last after you have COVID. We suspect that you're going to have protection for at least three months. So that's where that kind of 90 days came into play. Uh, so if you have had COVID and you have recovered, for the three months after your diagnosis, you technically do not have to quarantine again if you have been exposed, and you technically do not have to be retested again if you have been exposed, because we suspect that that immunity will be there for at least three months after your, your diagnosis and your uh, recovery from COVID. I have seen and I know people who have had COVID and still gotten the vaccine uh, as long as it's been at least 14 days after you had COVID and after you had recovered. So if you are high risk for COVID, if you work in a field where you could potentially be exposed to COVID, so healthcare workers, you should still be able to get the vaccine if it's been 14 days after your COVID, you've recovered from COVID. Um, but theoretically, you know, you have protection for three months after you have recovered from COVID. So a lot of people are saying, especially if you're not high risk for contracting it again or high risk from complications, some people are delaying that shot, you know, 90 days after they recover from COVID because theoretically they should have protection with those antibodies from COVID. So um, as far as I know, you can still get the vaccine within 14 days after recovering from COVID. Um, and I've had, like I said, I know friends that have gotten it um, and have still been able to receive the vaccine. Your question about does it make you sicker? I, I tried myself to actually look up some of this the other day because someone asked me the same question. I can't find any documentation that it is making people sicker if you have COVID or making you have more side effects after the vaccine. 
anecdotally, I will say I have personally seen that. People who tended to have more side effects from the vaccine were the people who have had COVID before. And again, that's probably just because your immune system has recognized that already and it's revving up. Just like your immune system revs up after that second dose, more people are having side effects from it. Um, so I haven't found any proof of that, but anecdotally, I've seen that. So. Hopefully that helps answer your question. We'll take our last break, but we'll be right back. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. We've got a little bit of time left, so if you have any medical questions, COVID questions, vaccine questions, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We've had some wonderful calls and questions about the vaccine, and um, hopefully that has answered a lot of your questions out there. But if there's anything else, Free, feel free to give us a call. You can also email us at kids at mpbonline.org. So in our last few minutes, I'm going to kind of transition a little bit and, and talk about headaches uh, because, like I said, it is so super common. We see it all the time in our clinic. And really, I just wanted to focus on uh, what are some common causes of the headache, particularly in our kids and when you should be concerned, both in kids and adults. Um, so kids very commonly get headaches with little viral illnesses, uh, which is pretty common this time of year, just the common cold. So if your kids catch a little virus at school or at daycare, uh, a lot of times they will complain about that, and it can be related to the viral illness. So these should go away within about a day or two. If your child runs fever, we know fever definitely causes a headache. So a lot of times if you treat the fever, the headache will improve as well. Hunger is a huge common complaint for kids and having a headache, you know, especially with younger kids. They get so busy with going and going and going and they don't want to stop to eat. Um, we get that com complaint all the time in our like younger toddler kids is that they don't eat very well. They're picky eaters. So if a kid skips a meal, skips a snack, very commonly they'll complain about a headache. So one of the first things to do is just make them your child sit down, rest. Give them a little something to drink, maybe a little snack, and see if that improves the headache. Uh, because, you know, common things being common, the reason they're having a headache is just because they're too active, they've missed a meal, they need rest. Um, we will go to Sue, who is in Beaumont. Jump back on the phones real quick. Hey, Miss Sue, what's going on today? I just have a quick comment. Uh, I've heard that you can also get the virus through your for eyes, you know, for the, if the virus gets in your eyes. So I'm wondering, it would, would nasal lavage or something to flush out your eyes? I cry all the time, so I keep my eyes and my nose flushed out with tears. So maybe that's a good thing because I haven't gotten it yet. So do you think nasal lavage or something like that to flush out your sinuses would be good? 
Yeah, so you can definitely catch it because it's any mucous membrane, essentially. Um, so if it, you know, the eyes are have a, a mucous membrane, and so any of those, you can catch it. So what they've recommended more than, I'm not sure about the nasal lavage, I, I guess potentially, but the biggest thing is just protecting some physical barrier to your eyes. So um, wearing uh, some kind of protective goggles, or you've seen a lot of people with the face shields, because that's another thing that you can do. Now, the face shield is not going to be fully protective. You still need to wear a mask, but it is giving you some protection for your eyes. And so as healthcare providers, when we go in to see our COVID patients or anybody who potentially has COVID, one of the things that we have to do is we have to wear protective eyewear and goggles or we have to wear the face shield uh, because you're exactly right you can contract it I would also recommend like if you're going to be um, in a public place like if you have to travel somewhere and you have to get on an airplane which you know the world is still turning we still have to do certain things um, so if you are having to get on an airplane in addition to wearing a mask, I would make sure that you wear protective eyewear as well um, because of that exact purpose that Miss Sue just said, that you can you can contract it um, through your eyes just because of the mucous membrane. So thank you, yeah, for that call because that's a good point um, to try to wear the eye protection and some type of physical barrier to your eyes. You're exactly right. Um, we've got maybe just a minute or two left, but if you have a question, one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So viruses, hunger. Um, another thing is like if your kid has gotten overheated, um, that's a very common thing. So we'll see that a lot in the summertime, kids that have been playing outside or if you're at a softball or baseball tournament, soccer tournament all day in that heat, uh, that can definitely bring on headaches. The important other thing is to make sure they're staying hydrated because dehydration is one of the biggest triggers for headaches. So like I was saying, if your kid complains about it, first thing first, bring them inside, make them sit down, drink some water, consider giving them a snack uh, before you even have to give them any medication. Because a lot of times that right there in and of itself will probably cure the headache. Um, but if it doesn't, you could always give them some Tylenol or some Advil, see if that will help uh, make the headache go away. Some things to be concerned about is if they have a super high fever that you're having difficulty breaking along with a headache. If they've got some neck pain, neck stiffness, that's another thing that can be very concerning. Um, and then obviously, you know, if they're having any neurologic symptoms. So if they're kind of wobbly or falling down, they're having any weakness or they tell you numbness, tingling, anything like that, that's going to definitely prompt you to go get checked out soon too. So hopefully that quick little bit about headaches, just some quick things that you can do at home when you should be concerned, because if your child or grandchild complains about a headache, it can be a little concerning. So um, most of the time, it's not going to be much, but if they're having any of those other symptoms, definitely want to make sure you get them checked out. Thank you, everybody, for your calls. If you have any other questions, send us an email, but we appreciate all your calls. Thank you, Jay, for producing our uh, engineering our show. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod. Join us next Thursday at 11 for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. Stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now.